Welcome to Publishers Weekly's LitCast. My name is Edward Nowatka. I am the bookselling and international editor at Publishers Weekly. Uh, it was my pleasure earlier this year to attend the um, Abu Dhabi International Book Fair, uh, of which one of the events there was the presentation of the Sheikh Zayed Book Awards. And if you're not familiar with the awards, the awards are perhaps the most esteemed literary prize in the Arabic-speaking world. Uh, they offer tremendous support to writers, editors, publishers, and cultural personalities throughout uh, not only the region, but the globe who are working in Arabic. Today, our guest is Maria Dadush, who is a Syrian-born author, translator, editor, writer, academic, who this year won the Sheikh Zayed Book Award for Children's Literature. Hello, Maria. How are you today? Hi, Ed. Thank you for hosting me. My pleasure. And where do we find you in conversation? Where, where are we catching you? Today, I'm casting from Syria. Um, I'll be spending uh, the month of July here, and I'll get back to the U.S. next month, August. Exciting. So it's probably very, very comfortable to be at home and to, uh, to have a chance to reconnect with everybody. Oh, yes. Especially my parents. My mother still live, lives in Syria, and so do um, um, all my relatives. Well, it just shows you just how globalized a culture and society we are, that we can have this conversation um, about your award-winning children's book, which in English is translated as The Mystery of the Glass Ball. But could you tell us the title in, in Arabic and tell us a little bit a little bit about your background, how you came to write this book, and about the book itself? Well, um, in Arabic, it's called Lughz al-Qura al-Zujajiya. Some of my background, I was born and raised in Syria. I've studied creative writing at the UCLA. And um, I live between Syria and the U.S. I won many prizes, uh, wrote many books, and I also teach creative writing for writers and help empower especially women writers and debut, debut writers. Fantastic. And where is it that you do your teaching and where is it that you live in the U.S.? Um, in the U.S., um, I'm between Texas and California. Okay. I do the teaching um, sometimes online, sometimes um, in, in the Gulf area, in Jordan, in Lebanon. Yeah, it's in the Arab world, basically. So you're teaching primarily writers in Arabic to, to publish? Yep. Wonderful. And do you exclusively work on children's books, or do you also have a range of uh, adult or young adult titles? Actually, I do have many young adult titles. Some of my young adult books won um, other rewards, uh, awards, I mean. And um, I write for children. I, write, I, I have two novels uh, for adults that I still did not publish yet. Actually, um, I find it easier to write uh, for young adults than it is for children, strangely. Well, tell us a little bit about this, uh, about the award-winning book. Again, this is, translates as The Mystery of the Glass Ball. Tell us a little bit about the inspiration, the story, and, um, and maybe you can entice some of our readers to seek it out. Yes, I'd love to talk about The Mystery of the Glass Ball. It opens with the narrator of Hassan riding the train with his grandpa. He is a veteran desert ranger heading to a museum in the middle of the Arabian desert where the grandpa was getting decorated. 
uh, or sort of rewarded for his long services in protecting the desert living beings and nature, while um, Ghassan was using by mistake the woman's bathrooms. Ghassan accidentally overhears a conversation between two strange looking old ladies who afterwards turn out to be two men in disguise, by the way. Um, the two criminals were planning to kill all the desert animals by filling a glass bowl with poison, then smashing it in the water of the major oasis in the desert. At the same time, another child, Sophia, also overhears the two men's evil plan and agrees with Rassan to stop it. Each of the two kids, of course, is driven by a different motive. Uh, Rassan is determined to save the desert's animals and nature life, while Sophia wants to save the glass ball itself, which turns out to be a, a valuable invention that manufactures water starting from air humidity and sunlight. And this wall was invented by her grandpa, who was heading with her on the same train of Rassan's and the criminals to the desert museum, also to be decorated for his contribution to clean energy. After that, a series of fast-paced events and last-moment twists take place. The children manage to disconnect the train wagon that transports the glass bowl. So they detach the wagon away from the, west, the rest of the train with the two children alone on it, uh, only to face more challenges like the harsh desert, the criminals who came back with insatiable thirst to revenge and most importantly, their own conflicts. I see. My, my understanding is that um, part of the inspiration for the book was video games and part of the structure, which is quite interesting because there's also an environmental theme there too. And is, is that something that, um, that, that you feel is important to add to help connect with children today to that kind of very modern aspect of their lives? Video games are clearly so important to kids. Yes, uh, indeed they are. And the video games um, factor in my story is more in the backstory of Ghassan. Because um, Ghassan did not want to get on that train, do that journey, leave his comfort zone like he did. He had to. As a value, after the, his adventure, he calls his mom at the end of uh, at the last page of the novel and tells her it turns out that there is a huge, uh, beautiful world outside my room. <laughs> so video games is more of a, a back in the backstory of Rassan and not in the adventure itself. And what is it, this message you're hoping children will take away from, uh, from the book and from the story itself? Well, as you read uh, this book, many things come to your mind. You might uh, remember your relationship with your grandparents, uh, how they might have repeated their stories on and on, and you being reluctant to hear them again and again, uh, but at the same time absorbing them and keeping them stored in a safe place that you often revisit in your meaningful moments in your life when you need to examine certain things and recalculate your decisions. Um, also, as you read this book, you might have uh, 
more appreciation for the abundance of sunlight in the Arabic countries and grow to learn the many benefits of it instead of always be upset and frustrated from the hot weather. Also, this book might open your eyes to how unique and rare some of the animals in our desert are, like um, the beautiful Mahadir, uh, the Arabian buck, the horned poisonous viper. And I wanted the children to really feel loyal to these species, uh, especially the Maha. I think uh, the last uh, 70 uh, Maha animal on earth is there. And I want them to be gentle to these animals and devoted to preventing their extinction. Lots of value are folded inside this book, actually. Now, you've written, I believe, almost 50 books or over 50 books. And they're also known as a screenwriter, having written um, animation and even comedy. So your career has been, by many, many estimations, a successful career, very successful with many awards. How did the Sheikh Zayed Book Award, how is this different from some of the other prizes you won, which I know include the Katara Prize for Arabic novels and the Khalifa Award for educational creativity? How is this prize different? And how do you feel about that? Uh, well, winning the Sheikh Zayed Award is a milestone in my career and in anyone's career because it's a prestigious and respected award worldwide. And um, I feel like uh, being one of the winners will open unprecedented doors and opportunities for me and it might attract more attention to my work. This interview with you, Ed, is part of this attention. The word is a highlight that uh, will allow more of my books to be noticed and recognized. And I also want to add that the submitted stories to the award uh, go through accurate filtering stages, craft-wise, the language also, the values, promoted the story worlds. So if you want the Sheikh Zayed Award, people will look up to your work. And um, for all this, I really feel honored and grateful, thankful. And also, uh, when, you, when you go to the ceremonies, you feel very much appreciated and respected. You know, this... Uh, this fame, <laughs> you fear that you, you, you say, you, you keep reminding yourself, I do not want to get used to this. <laughs> this is not real world. I mean, <laughs> this is temporary. Yeah. The book is yet to be translated into English. And do you see this as a universal story and, and your other works too? Now, certainly you, as an editor, you, I know you've also edited a children's magazine, Fula. You know, so you've had, you've seen a lot of children's stories from the Arabic market, the Arab world. Would you like to see this translated and more translations from the region? Do you feel this would help uh, help people gain a better appreciation for each other's culture and values? Well, when it comes to human experiences, I think um, all stories are universal. Particularly or the mystery of the crystal ball is about friendship, which is a universal subject. Uh, it's about how you can start with a pre-assumption or a stereotyped picture of someone. Then you grow to learn at the end of the day that you have a lot in common with that person, more than you've imagined. The conflict between the two children, Ghassan and Sophia, was fueled by their different backgrounds. Ghassan 
is an ordinary, typical, standard Arabic child who goes to school every day, studies, then finishes the day playing video games in his comfort zone with the same friends who share the same hobbies, fashion, and habits. Sophia, on the other hand, is nowhere close to that. She homeschools because she had to accompany her grandpa in his international quest for more knowledge about reusable energy. And her friends come in all kinds and shapes and sizes. Her mother is from South America. And when it comes to appearance, Sophia inherited her genes. So uh, she has uh, her genes. I mean, she looked like uh, uh, she, uh, she was from uh, South America. She doesn't look uh, Arabic like a typical Arabic girl. So this is how Ghassan felt uh, different at first. And unfortunately, when Ghassan first meets with her, all he sees is taco and samba. And, cliches. Yeah, cliches. So Sophia has her own red flags towards Ghassan as well. She, uh, she assumes that he will steer away from her because of her different appearance and background that would not give him a fair chance. So when Sophia first meets with Ghassan, she says, um, so we both have the same age on the same train, heading to the same destination and escorting our grandpas to celebrate their career. I wonder how many other things we're going to find in common. When she says that, Ghassan snaps and answers, nothing else, Sophia, I promise you. <laughs> so this is where they start uh, and they end up both risking their own lives to rescue each other. And for me, I find this dynamic and the tangle between ups and downs in their relationship uh, is the most relatable and universal thing in this story. And this is why I think that if, if, you trans if this story gets translated, uh, a lot of children will relate to it. So Maria, I'm curious, how do you, um, how do you see the different traditions uh, between uh, children's book publishing and children's book writing in the Arab world and that, uh, that we might be more familiar with from uh, Europe and the Americas? That's a good question. Uh, the differences in traditions between the Arab world and the Western world, Europe and America is huge. Uh, as we all know, of course, the dynamics between people are also different. The story world itself is, is very different too. Uh, let's take the mystery of the Glasgow as example. The story world is the desert and its animals and plants, cactus, snakes and goats, not forests, not puppies and cats. Uh, the hot weather, the abundance, Sunlight and lack of water are also present in this book uh, or, or maybe many other Arabic books. This is why the Glasgow um, as an invention itself is significant because it manufactures water from the humidity in the air using sunlight as a catalyst. But the dynamics are also different in our books. Uh, I mean, between uh, in the same family. Family ties are still sort of stronger than they are maybe in other cultures. Uh, then my main character, Ghassan, uh, did not want to leave his friends or his comfort zone, but worrying about his grandpa not taking his insulin shot forced him to take this journey. Um, 
grandparents in our countries still are the family's responsibilities, even though Hassan could not uh, take any more of his grandpa's stories. So yes, uh, traditions and the story world in the Arabic books are different than those in the Western ones. Excellent. Thank you. That's been very edifying. And I think it, it makes a very clear picture of the of the differences and how the traditions uh, diverge and also makes makes it sound very appealing to people who might not be as familiar with the uh, environment and what is depicted. Well, for those who are unfamiliar with children's literature of the region, um, where is it you recommend that people could start? Well, to be honest, add, uh, people who are interested in reading translated work about the Arab region will be surprised of the small pool they need to choose from. Um, I know the University of Austin translated some Arabic YA novels, like my novel, I Want Golden Eyes, which won the Schumann Award, and also Sonia Nimmer's trilogy, Thunderbird, uh, and many of other Sonia's uh, work. Um, also, Fatima Sharifuddin's work was translated to many languages as well, Taghrid Najjar books as well. On the other hand, translated picture books are easier to find. The Sheikh Zayed winner books were all translated. Actually, most of the award-winning picture books eventually get translated to many languages. I'm not sure if you can find them like as physical books, but I'm pretty sure you can find them on Amazon as digital uh, books, most of them. Well, that's a very, very good point because part of winning a Sheikh Zayed book award is that they are working very hard to get those books translated into English. So we should expect seeing more and more and more of them. So someone I'm sure who's interested in your work uh, will be able to have that opportunity and get support from the prize. At least that's my understanding. Is that correct? Yes, they do have a grant for translation, uh, not only to English, but to main, um, whatever language that is uh, that you that the writer feels the book might be popular in the com in a certain community, and the award will grant this uh, publishers in the community the rights and the and the money to translate it. That's very exciting, and I see here that your your book, I Want Golden Eyes, which you mentioned is going to be published in uh, paperback just, uh, I believe, next month. Is that correct? In English translation. Well, ho hopefully. I, I did not check recently if, uh, if, if any delays uh, are taking place. But, but yeah, originally it's meant to uh, go in, in the public uh, September 2022. That's fantastic. Well, congratulations. I guess that's a University of Texas Press book. Congrats. Yeah, th yeah thank you. And Marsha links Quayley, who's the translator, who's very, yeah. very well known as a journalist and, uh, and also um, runs the website uh, Arabia Lit, if I'm not mistaken. Yep, you're not mistaken. I'm a big fan of her work and translations. So you've done a lot in your career. And, and as we mentioned, you've written for television, edited a children's magazine, and written, uh, as we mentioned, over 50 books. When you... Talk to people about writing for children. How does it fulfill you? And how does it, uh, and what role do you see it having in advancing society towards uh, a more, you know, positive, equitable, um, and hopefully happy future? Um, to answer this question, um, please add, allow me to read a few words that I once wrote that might answer, because um, it's a tough one, believe me, as simple as it looks. 
Why does any writer write? This is what I wrote. Stories are stories. They have powers and they attract people of all ages. Uh, stories do not wait for you to write them or categorize them by age. The story is for children and that one is for young adults. Um, stories just sprout somewhere inside you and they make their forthcoming footsteps noticeable as you listen to them as they approach to be finally revealed under the spotlight. So when you ask me why do I write for young people or even for adults, my answer is I can't help it because stories eat me inside out. They write themselves and come out whether I like it or not. And all I usually do is step aside and watch them mesmerized with awe as they form and unfold. I keep writing for kids because I'm surrounded by them and as I watch them, I feel that I feel that stories are babbling and bubbling inside my head. So what what is your next project? Uh, my next project is a sci-fi novel series for middle grade children aged 10 or maybe 11. And this series, I'm trying to elaborate a sort of apocalyptic world. I see this as another work trying to open eyes about the danger of placing the an absolute power of or money or technology in the wrong hands and uh, the importance of values in the face of this dangerous wave. Uh, it's going to be a long series, so <laughs> wish me luck with it. <laughs> Excellent. That's very, very exciting, though. You'll be returning back to the States to, to live and work, uh, is, is my understanding. Is there, are you going to be planning to do any events or any presentations? Or should, is there a place where people can find you online to seek out a little bit more about you and uh, the work that you've done? Well, I have my um, Facebook page. Um, I'm, I, keep, I frequently visit it. And um, I do some readings in schools. I'm, I'm planning to like uh, schedule a reading uh, for the Lozul Kuras Dejajia in Dallas uh, Library. It's still still working on it. I mean, I still could not get them to like uh, schedule me anytime soon. I frequently visit the Arab world, so m most of my activities take place here. Well, I will also remind uh, listeners that they can go visit the website of the Sheikh Zayed Book Award. Uh, there's extensive information about Maria and her winning book, as well as all the titles that won this year. Um, just to recount, the Sheikh Zayed Book Award was established in 2006 in Abu Dhabi, and it's often referred to as the Arab world's equivalent to the Nobel Prize. It's named for the founding father of the United Arab Emirates, and the late Sheikh Zayed bin Sultan al-Nahayan, uh, who is himself a great lover of poetry and literature. And it's unique in the world of awards um, because it does honor such a wide variety of literary and publishing professionals. And uh, as Maria just told us, it's, a, it's, it's an extraordinary honor, and it's, it signals to many, that, uh, many people that they have arrived uh, at a certain level of success and demand attention from readers around the world and hopefully publishers so we can get some more of these books translated into English and more widely distributed to, um, to eager readers. 
So I just want to say thank you again, Maria, for finding the time and, and the technological know-how to, uh, to talk to us from, from your home in Syria during your time visiting family and friends. Thank you, Ed, for hosting me and for like finding the time to publishers uh, get to know, get to hear of my work and maybe translate it soon, hopefully. Thank you very much. And again, this has been Publishers Weekly's LitCast. I'm Edward Nowatka, the Bookselling International Editor. And we want to say thank you for listening and come back again soon, where we'll have more interviews with extraordinary authors uh, and cultural personalities from the world of publishing and around the world. Thank you.